Ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land, I want you to know that my esteemed co-host, Paul Digavidian, is a little under the weather today because he did a double whammy. He got the COVID booster and he got the shingles booster at the same time. So as you would say, a two-fisted drinker, Paul right now is a two-fisted vacciner. Uh, what a great tee-up for Super Mario. <laughs> How you feeling there, Paul? Oh, I'm feeling so crappy, but it's okay. Super Mario gave me a level up, like gave me some superpowers. I got to that next level with Super Mario. And uh, what a performance for this movie. And, you know, I got some updated numbers yesterday from Universal so the original estimate for the five days globally was 377 million, which is astonishing. Final figures came in at 375, 578. So 375 million, 578 massive box office dollars around the world, a $204 million five day domestic, $171 million international. It's the Biggest opening weekend of 23, the second biggest opening weekend of all time for an animated film, the biggest illumination opening of all time, the biggest video game adaptation opening of all time, and a partridge in a pear tree. I want to touch on a couple of things right there. Number one, when you say the biggest illumination opening of all time, what does that exactly mean? Well, that's huge. So illumination is just an absolute juggernaut with their films. And for this opening to pass Minions and Despicable Me 3 in like-for-like -like opening markets and Despicable Me 2, the previous biggest reported global weekend at $208 million, is just astounding. And this is Universal Illumination and Nintendo bringing the greatest hits together of all their disciplines, all their expertise, to really create something amazing. And I was in a theater... Last Friday saw Dungeons and Dragons and there were little kids running around waiting to see Super Mario with their parents who were getting somewhat inebriated at the bar, getting ready to go in. <laughs> and uh, it was really cool. It was like uh, just a happening. I call it like Woodstock for families was Super Mario Brothers this past weekend. Well, I want to delve in a little bit more to that and, and kind of pile on with the stats. So I got real curious because I started thinking Super Mario is the first of a franchise. You know, if you want to count the 1993 version, which I don't think anybody does, this is the first film since Hunger Games in 2012, which is not a sequel not part of an existing franchise. What I mean by first is it's the highest opening since Hunger Games in March of 2012 yeah. from a non-existing franchise or like the Marvel Universe. You make a great point. It's huge. Paul, that's huge when you think about that. You're talking about 11 years ago. I know, right? And you were at Lionsgate. Isn't every studio, isn't the Holy Grail, like, aren't they always looking for a new franchise that can carry them for decades? You're chasing that franchise. You're chasing that elusive, how many of these can I make? I think we are very much going to see quite a few of these Super Mario spinoffs coming in the near future. The Nintendoverse, man, the Nintendo Cinematic Universe, the NCU. It's we'll happening. There. Make that up right now. <laughs> then the second part I wanted to tap into was actually how the movie performed. And again, the second Holy Grail is I want a four quadrant movie, meaning I want a movie that appeals to families, to adults, to males, to females. Well, this one did it. And uh, looking at some of the ticket sales data that, that we saw over the weekend, the day parts were spread out almost evenly. So this is how it worked. According to some sources I read, 20% of the tickets were sold prior to one o'clock. 24% were sold 
between one and four. And then this is where it starts to get interesting. 26% were sold between four and seven. And then another 26% after seven o'clock. So anyone who's, who's been in this business for a while knows from an animated standpoint to see 26% of your tickets sold when the families have basically gone home tells you that you have now broken out of just being a family film. This movie appealed to all quadrants, all audiences, the gamers who grew up on it, the young children. This movie has a long runway ahead of it. An A Cinema score, so we know that it's going to play. Absolutely. Looking at the demos a little bit here, it's really remarkable. 39% of the opening weekend crowd, according to PostTrack, Comscore's PostTrack, was 39% Hispanic. I mean, that's a big number, Paul, when you look at that. What a great family film. And I think in terms of the average ticket price around the world for a child's ticket, which a lot of them were, it's the opposite of putting your thumb on the scale. It actually means you have to sell a lot of tickets to get to these various gross levels. And I think that was really astonishing. And I like what you said because conventional wisdom would say, well, after seven o'clock, I mean, kids, they're going home and nobody else is going to come out for this movie after like, like at a 10 o'clock show. But this crossed over with the nostalgia factor, obviously great marketing. And again, you have to give it up to a perfect release date, which you alluded to. You had John Wick doing so well, then D&D, obviously, and now this movie. And until Guardians 3, not that much is any slouch to Lynn, but the movies like Renfield and Evil Dead Rise and others that are coming out between now and the kickoff of the summer movie season with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on the May 5th, it's got a really wide open runway. This is a billion dollar global film all day long. Who knows how much higher it goes than that? It's going to be a go-to movie well into May. Well, and I may take exception with what you said and say, maybe the summer season kicked off last weekend. There you go. There you, go. <laughs> you know, you're looking at a total weekend box office. It was $205 million, which I think was the biggest one we'd had since Wakanda. And then I did one other thing. I was curious because the way that Super Mario played out, again, what Paul alluded to with all of those other movies that were in the marketplace, John Wick, Dungeons and Dragons, Air. We didn't even talk about the opening for Air. We will get to Air, believe me. <laughs> uh, when you have all of those films in the marketplace, all appealing to different audiences, Saturday was a juggernaut. So I looked it up. It was 82 million or something like that, according to the Comscore data that you guys provide. Paul, that was the biggest Saturday since November 11th of 2019. It was unbelievable, that Saturday gross. It was unreal. That's pre-pandemic. It's Easter weekend, 2023. You know, it's not like we're sitting here on, you know, Top Gun opened or Star Wars opened. I guess my point is, if anything resembled normal since we've been post-pandemic, this weekend was it. I agree, but I do have one thing to talk about that is not normal. It's for an April movie to open on a Wednesday and lead the chart of top domestic opening five day frames from films opening on a Wednesday. So I looked it up in our Comscore data. So the previous champ was Transformers Revenge of the Fallen that opened in June, June 24, Wednesday, June 24, and held that previous five day Wednesday through Sunday opening record with 200.1 million. And then you look at films like Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, that's July, Twilight Saga, Eclipse, June, Transform another Transformers movie in June of 2011, Spider-Man 2, Despicable Me 2, the aforementioned Despicable Me 2, which actually opened on the 4th of July, well, the day before, on July 3rd, Wednesday, July 3rd, 2013. Another Harry Potter movie, Shrek 2, 
Little uh, outlier here is The Passion of the Christ, but that's a very different yep, type of movie. That was a very unusual situation. That was in February of 2004. But never, not in this top 21 films that I ran in our survey for movies opening on a Wednesday, did anything even from other than February come from that first quarter and to have this happen now in April. The movie defines the month. The month doesn't define the movie. Super Mario redefined what April can do in terms of box office. And here's another point. So talking with a friend of mine who runs one of the uh, key regional exhibitors out there, and he was saying through Monday, they were running 140% above 2022, 90% of 2019. So they were only off 10%. And equally important, you know, they were running 15% ahead of whatever they had had in their plan coming into the year. Meaning, again, going back to what we're saying, if anything is starting to resemble quote unquote normal, we're getting there. You know, the other thing is for everyone who constantly is wanting to say theatrical is dead and uh, you Mike, know, I don't people want to hear aren't that going to come back to the. Well, it, <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing is anybody is saying it is not paying attention to what's going on out there. Exactly. Paul, you and I have been saying this for six months now. You and I have been saying it to each other longer, but we've been saying that, you know, in, in, in this forum for, for six months. And that is, it's all about the content. If you build it, as you said, they will come. And in the case of Super Mario, home run. I give Universal great kudos for not only producing a film that spoke to the fans and the young children alike, but they created a cohesive marketing campaign that brought it all together. And they picked a great date right here in the middle of Easter. I think opening on Wednesday, as you mentioned, while it's not something that's normally been done, was an absolutely brilliant move. They got a head start on those who are already in spring break leading into Good Friday. You can't say anything that they did that was wrong. Well, I mean, this, Mike, this is the blueprint, but that doesn't mean it's easy. I mean, lest anyone think, oh, now studios could just you know, do this kind of movie. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to Donna Langley, Jim Orr, the whole team at Universal. The folks at Illumination, their really unique style and quirky sensibilities. And Nintendo for really protecting that brand and not just throwing something out there because it's not the title of this movie that got people to come in. It was the movie. That's what really mattered. Well, let's take a look at that. You're absolutely right to talk about how much audiences enjoyed the film. So coming into the weekend, all the pre-released estimates I saw were anywhere from on the low end around 120 to the high end 130. Domestic. That was for five days. Right. 130 million for five. They ended up doing $204 million for the five-day weekend. And Mike, just to tell you, we thought, I mean, even I didn't think it would do that. I, mean, I literally was talking to a journalist last week. She goes, I think it's going to do 200. And I go, oh yeah, for, for global, for five days. No, for domestic. Oh, come on, no way. And I'm like, oh, wait a sec. She was totally right. <laughs> well, then let's, let's talk about what else was going on in the marketplace. So you had Super Mario going and doing 146 million, like I said, 204.6 was was the five day. But then you had John Wick, Air, Dungeons and Dragons, all kind of log jamming for that two through four space, doing anywhere from around 14 to 14 and a half million dollars. Air and John Wick, weren't they like wound up being like 10,000 apart and John? Yeah, they were. I mean, uh, yes. But Air was supposed to go be a streaming release. It did great business, 20 million for like the five days domestically. What a great choice for MGM, obviously, to go with this movie. 
in theaters. And I really love the fact that Matt and Ben, my two dear friends, Matt and Ben, were out there talking about this movie everywhere. And at, also when I went to see Dungeons and Dragons and Super Mario was in many of the screens where I saw the film, that a lot of people were there for the movie air. So that diversity of content, we used to call it, maybe still do, counter-programming. It's just really, and, if, I, and Mike, we've said this before, if you can't find something out here right now, and, and in the next three weeks, it's going to be even more. Mafia Mama is another one. We've been talking about Renfield, Evil Dead Rise. Not like there's nothing out there, but wow, you're a movie door. It's a great month. Going back to Air, too, the one thing about Air is it's an adult drama. Those movies tend to have long legs and have higher multiples, and we've gone over what a multiple is before, people. So yes, we you, have. you all know what that is. So insult past yes episode. You know, you're looking at you know a twenty point two cum as of Monday. You know, this movie will end up probably doing close to sixty million all in, which is a huge win. And the whole idea behind doing this before you go to the streaming platform is to elevate the level of the content. So that when it does come to Prime, all of the people who are sitting there that have Prime, which is just about everybody on the planet, I think, says, oh, yeah, that was that movie that was a big success right. in theaters. I want to see. It's a prestige factor. Huge prestige factor. Well, I think we got to wrap it up there because, uh, you know, I got a lot of important uh, sleeping to do after my COVID <laughs> booster. <laughs> I want you to feel a lot better. Oh, by the way, before we finish, uh, this is all... I'm getting ready. We should just say in two weeks from now, we'll be at CinemaCon. So we might want to tease that a little bit. Uh, that is true. So just so you know, the reason Paul did get the COVID booster is he wanted to make sure that when he's amongst 3,000 of his closest friends, he's uh, <laughs> as protected as possible, which, by the way, gave me the idea and I'm going and giving mine. There you go, Mike. Better safe than sorry. Exactly. And just to tease it a little bit more, there will be a live episode. It won't be live, but it'll be live on tape from CinemaCon that Paul and I are going to be doing. We're going to have several special guests on that. We look forward to really just kind of celebrating the fact that the industry is, you know, getting back on its feet. I think that Mario is the greatest setup for CinemaCon in many years. I mean, this gives so much positive momentum. The whole narrative has shifted. And now with Super Mario, that's going to give a lot of credence to the positivity and the positive vibes. Not to say the industry doesn't have issues to deal with and all kinds of important, you know, strategies to to enact and all that. But this couldn't be a better scenario heading into what is really the Super Bowl for the movie industry. Or at least one of them is CinemaCon in Las Vegas. Well, the week of the 24th of April. Real quick, though, Paul, how many interviews did you do on Sunday? I saw your name so many times in print. You know, Mike, I have to say the last time, look, I can always gauge how big a movie is, how important by how many inquiries I get from the press and others. Not since Top Gun Maverick. Have I, I mean, I was up at 6 a.m. and never, I, I mean, I'm still going, I think. That's a good barometer to kind of assess what's going on in the marketplace because everybody wanted to know about this movie. And I think like many others, I, I will admit, I underestimated Mario. Again, when, when this journalist from one of the trades said, it's going to do 200 million in five days, I'm like, no way. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, you get them wrong. There you go. By the way, I'm happy to get those wrong, Mike. Thrilled to get those. Yeah, you you want to be wrong in that way. That's in that for way. sure. All right, so Paul, I want you to go get some rest because uh, we got to get ready for some fun times. Gotta in, get ready uh, for our Super Bowl. Vegas. That's <laughs> right. All right, Mikey, have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon. On oh wait, it's Ticket to Ride with Paul DeGarabini and <laughs> Senior Media Analyst. <laughs>
in case you didn't know. For By the way, sport. so listen to listen to that. You know, he's he's down and out. He's got two sore arms. He feels like garbage. <laughs> yet he still still professionally is able to get the plug for the podcast in. I love that. Mike Polydor is president of Paper Airplane Media. Thanks again. I'll see you at the movies, Mike. Talk to you later, Paul.